I had a lot of fun studying this passage with some of you uh, on Wednesday night. Marilyn's laughing and looking down as we say this. Marilyn might say I had too much fun. She came up to me after the study and said, you know, that was really good, except for the heckling. <laughs> and what she meant is that I was heckling her. And other people in the room, too. And in fact, I was sharing with someone else earlier that I went to bed that night uh, having trouble sleeping because I thought, who have I run off from the church um, this evening? But we had a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about expansive um, interpretations of this text. We're not going to get too much more expansive than Jesus' interpretation this morning. If you wanted uh, more, you had to show up on Wednesday night. We'll be doing that again this Wednesday. But here, Jesus sets up this story by telling us about a farmer who sowed good seed in his field. But then, while he was sleeping... An enemy farmer sneaks in and sows in weeds among the wheat. Now, your first assignment this week, if you are creative or enjoy writing, is to write an imaginative short story about what happened before the circumstances in this parable. Was it a bad fraternity trick? Did someone accuse someone of something they didn't do or did do? Why in the world would someone want to spend all night sowing weed into someone else's field? That's your assignment. Write me a story about that. The weed then begins to grow up, he says, among the wheat. And the farmhands ask if they can pull up the weeds, which is actually pretty good gardening advice. If you know anything about gardening, and I don't, but I read some people who do. If they don't pull up the weeds, the weeds will choke out the good plants and the abundance of weed seed will plague next year's planting too. So, so there you go. So, so Jesus is standing here in the midst of these farmers who he knows knows that he's not giving good advice. And that's why he's doing it, to try to get their attention. He ignores the good gardening instinct and instead tells them to do uh, something like what Christy wishes that I'd given her a chance to tell me a few years ago before I used Roundup to purposefully wage war on all the poison ivy that had infected me in the backyard and ended up killing all our perennials as well. Don't pull out the weeds, he says, because in doing so you may uproot the wheat as well. Instead, let them grow together, and at harvest time, we'll sort it out, and all the weed will be burned. Now, there are some points here that we need to make, some of which Jesus makes clear, because this is one of only three parables he actually gives us an interpretation for. So there are some things that seem to be clear, and then there are some other things that we'll have to surmise as we look at this parable together. And I think the first one is fairly obvious, and it has to do with our role in ultimate judgment, which is to say, we don't have one. Jesus makes it clear that the wheat seed symbolizes his people, and the weed seed represents people in the world who are being influenced by the enemies, and he makes it clear that eventually... One will be sorted out from the other, and there will be appropriate consequences, which we may not like, but if you have suffered from injustice, that's really important. But he also makes it clear that the sorting and the judging are not really our job. 
Theologically, this in some ways reminds me of uh, Augustine's visible church and invisible church. Now see if we can, we can follow this or if I'll get too tongue-tied on this. Uh, Augustine felt like there was a visible church and an invisible church in the world. There's some crossover between those two things. Uh, some people who are in the invisible church are also in the visible church. So, so it's not that they're completely separate, but they are distinct. And here's what he would say about that. He would say that there are people in the world who are part of the visible church. In other words, sitting in pews and congregations, doing Bible studies together, going on mission trips together, singing together, doing the kinds of things we're doing right here. He would say there are people that are part of the visible church that are not a part of the invisible church. And he would say the invisible church is God's real church. Then he would also say, go so far as to say, that in the world there are people who are part of the invisible church, God's real church, but maybe they're not a part of the visible church. And despite all of our trying, only God knows who is who. It's not our job to judge, which is to say it's not our job to sort, and that's a concept we really all ought to remember during the week, both inside and outside the church. Because we know that in human history, there have been numerous expressions, not only in human history, but specifically in Christian history, of people trying to sort and segregate in order to create a purified people. A purified church, a purified group, a purified community. It happens all the time. It has happened a lot. We may do it based on appearances, saying their eyes aren't blue enough or their eyes aren't brown enough to belong to us. Their skin isn't white enough or black enough to belong to us. We may do it based on economics or education, saying those people aren't well off enough or well versed enough to belong to us. We may do it by belief saying those people aren't Baptist enough. Those people aren't Christian enough. Those people aren't liberal enough. Those people aren't conservative enough. Those people aren't conscientious enough. Those people aren't nuanced enough, Democrat enough, Republican enough, American enough, Western enough to belong to us. We all have our criteria, right? We all have criteria that we both abhor and adhere to. And I imagine when it comes to those kinds of things, most of us wouldn't have to be pushed too hard to agree that this kind of sorting has no place in the kingdom of God. And we should also note that Jesus isn't just talking about politics, race, economics, and education here, but he's also talking about things like the positive versus the negative, the toxic versus the healthy, the good versus the evil. Jesus seems to be saying there's also no place for this kind of sorting among us in the kingdom of God. And I think at this point in our history, especially as Americans, that's something we really ought to pay attention to. Because we are prone to the sorting. People these days seem to be either with us or against us. In our camp or out of our camp. It's either this way or, or that way. But judge not, Jesus says. And part of the point of this parable is that we shouldn't because it's God's job to judge and we are not God. We're not God. Though I do think there is a difference, and we talked about this Wednesday night, 
between judgment and discernment. Notice even in the parable, the farmhands had already discerned which was the wheat and which was the weeds. They'd already discerned that. Most believe the weed here is a weed called darnel, that when weed and wheat grow together, they look very similar, almost the same. In fact, there's a point at which you might be ready to harvest the wheat, that you could harvest it all together as one, grind it up, and some toxic element from the weed would actually poison all the weed as well. So that's why that they would want to pull it apart. They would want to burn the weed and keep the wheat. But also, if you allowed the darnel and the wheat to grow high enough, Toward harvest time, the blades would top out at distinctly different sizes for those who knew what to look for. So there would be a way, eventually, ultimately, to sort the weed from the wheat at harvest time, and there would be a way to discern the difference through the maturation process. Which brings me now to two things I think this parable is not saying. Okay. First, I don't think Jesus is telling us here to pretend like we can't tell the difference between good and evil, right? I don't think Jesus is asking us to pretend like we can't tell the difference between friends and enemies, right or wrong, justice or injustice. We talked about all that on Wednesday as well. I don't think Jesus is asking us to pretend like we can't discern things. And I was reading a, a study or an article recently about how most of us spend our lives on the wrong side of the 80-20 rule. And I'm not really actually talking about what we sometimes talk about in church, how 20% of the people do 80% of the work, or 20% of the people give 80% of the money, or any, anything like that. But specifically what this article was about was about how we often spend 80% of our time trying to make unhappy people happy. We often, as individuals, spend 80% of our time trying to appease the most difficult people in our lives, and 20% of our time with the people in our lives who are really healthy, energizing, gifted. And what they would say in the article is, that actually needs to be flipped upside down. And most of us, you know, can tell the difference between the two most of the time. We might begin, if you're trying to think about this in your own life, by thinking about your mental energy, your emotional energy, your spiritual energy, and what it means to lean into the good, specifically in the days that you live. Because immersing ourselves in the weeds, whatever that means, can choke the life out of us. Judge not. Judge not, Jesus says. So that judgment may not be our job, but as stewards of God's abundant life, discernment certainly is. Likewise, I don't think Jesus is telling us here that we should just let bad things happen. And this parable has been used in history to justify that. So we just need to make that clear that Jesus is not saying we should just let bad things happen. We should just, whatever it is, let the weeds grow among the wheat. Just let it happen and God's going to sort it all out later. I think if we think real hard, we can think about things that happen in our world that we shouldn't just let happen. 
So no, Jesus isn't exactly saying that. Jesus has called us to be people who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God, in the words of the prophet Micah. So the church then is to be a place of belonging, but it is not to be a place without healthy boundaries. In fact, if we want this to be a healthy place of belonging, we have to set healthy boundaries, and that involves striving for holiness and wholeness in all things. So that like the parable, this involves being a community of discernment, but not of judgment. Of belonging, but not of berating. Sociologist Brene Brown, who I know some of you read, who also calls herself sometimes a shame researcher, was in an interview, um, and she was asked this question. She was asked if in her research she believes there are religious denominations who grow more shame in people than others. So Brene was shame researcher, sociologist. She was asked, Are there certain religious denominations who grow more shame in others than others? And she said, this is her answer, in her research she said, no. But, there's always a but. But, she says, there are churches, individual churches, that exhibit common tendencies of rigidity and exclusivity, Churches who blame and grow shame in people more than others. Friends, I don't think we want to be that kind of church, do we? No, we want to be the kind of church where people find release from their shame. Where they experience freedom and love and grace and gospel among us where they can, whoever they are, can belong, believe and become the best versions of themselves in Christ. And so I wonder, how might we take steps as individuals and as a community toward that this week? Well, perhaps by doing what I think Jesus was really pointing us to in this parable. It's tempting, see, when we read this parable, I think it is, maybe it's what you clued in on when you heard Greg read it. It's tempting to focus on the fire and the judgment of God that, did you remember, we're actually supposed to leave to God. It's tempting, as it is in other parts of our lives, to focus on the weeds when I think what Jesus is doing here is actually trying to help us focus on the wheat. Have you ever missed the wheat for the weeds in your life? See, the people listening to Jesus that day, they didn't need Him to tell them who the weeds were. They knew all about weeds. They knew all about bad, harmful, toxic, oppressive things that they were experiencing in their lives and in the world. They knew about this. It was those kinds of things that caused them to doubt whether the kingdom of God was ever actually really coming at all. What they didn't see, because they were so focused on the weeds was the good stuff, the wheat, the life-giving stuff that was happening all around them. They were missing it. They didn't even think it was there. They were missing it. And Jesus is assuring them, as He did in the parable we heard last week, that 
The kingdom of God is actually growing all around them. In spite of all the bad stuff they were seeing and experiencing in their own lives. And he's trying to help them see that if they and we spend all of our time, each and every day, or 80% of it even, focusing on the weeds, the bad stuff, we're probably, in the midst of doing that, going to uproot some of the good stuff that God is trying to grow in us and through us. Does that, that hit home at all? I remember someone telling me that they really enjoyed being on a mission trip in another country uh, because being in that other country on that mission trip completely disconnected them from their ability to watch the news. CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and all of the ways that had them spinning and meditating and immersing themselves in the weeds. Now, it's not that we don't need to know what's going on. It's not that we don't need to be discerning. It's not that we don't need to act for good by being informed and responding to that. But maybe, and I wonder about this this week, but maybe what some of us really need to be doing this week is spending 80% of our time looking for the wheat instead of meditating on the weeds. And so here's the challenge I want to leave you with this week from this parable. I challenge you this week to look around the world and find something good that's happening out there. Spend some time learning about it. Meditate on it. Celebrate it. Be grateful for it. Get involved with it if you can. I challenge you this week to find something good and wonderful that is happening right now in the global church. Learn about it. Study it. Meditate on it. Celebrate it. Say words of gratitude for it. If you can, get involved with it. I challenge you this week to find something good and wonderful that is happening in and through this church. Learn about it. Ask questions about it. Study it. Celebrate it. Say words of gratitude for it. Get involved with it. I challenge you this week to examine your own family. I challenge you this week to examine your own soul and focus as you do not on the bad, not on the weeds, but find something in your life, in your family, in your soul that you can celebrate this week and focus on that. Nurture that. Spend some time cultivating that. Do that. And see if you don't also begin to be able to see the wheat growing in other places. In other people. The light within the darkness. The wheat among the weeds.